You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, January 27th, and just like that, we've nearly made it through the first month of 2021. A bit of commentary, if you don't mind, dear listener. If you still have your Christmas tree up, it's time to let go. There's good news, though. I have another holiday of sorts to share with you. Tomorrow, January 28th, is Data Privacy Day, and February 1st through 28th is Data Privacy Month. Data Privacy Day and Month are put on by the National Cybersecurity Alliance. This year, NCSA encourages individuals to own your privacy and respect the privacy of others. Our own Office of Information Assurance has teamed up with UC San Diego's Campus Privacy Office to act as data privacy champions. Over the next few weeks, you can look forward to several virtual events and workshops. On February 3rd, for example, Campus Privacy Officer Pega Parsi presents Pandemics, Protests, and Politics, Privacy in 2021. Oh, if only all events were so alliteratively alluring. For more information and links to all events, just visit the homepage of The Current or search Data Privacy Day in Blink. All this adds up to a perfect segue for our interview this week. Speaking of the Office of Information Assurance, we caught up with Chief Information Security Officer, Mike Korn. This is Mark Herzberger, Communications Manager in IT Services. Today, I'm joined by Michael Korn. He's our Chief Information Security Officer. Mike, welcome back to the pod. How are you? I'm doing fine, Mark. Thanks for having me. Anytime. How is 2021 treating you so far? 2021 is uh, treating me well but it's clear that it is not gonna be a year of coasting. It has started with a vengeance and it's moving along quickly. So I'm very excited by what 2021 holds in store. Your business card, if you will, uh, identifies you as the Chief Information Security Officer, CISO for short, it has a nice ring to it, but the team you lead is called the Office of Information Assurance. What do you want to convey with that title? And what's the full scope of what you and your team do? Sure. It's a philosophical choice, how we name ourselves. What I actually put down uh, when I type it out the long way is the Office of Information Assurance, Trust, and Identity, because I want to represent for the full scope of the office. I think the driving force behind that change from the security office is to reflect more accurately, not just the breadth of what we do, but sort of the style of what we do. We're much more than just the office that worries about a few security controls like having antivirus software. We worry about data and business processes and making sure that the institution is resilient. And resilience means not that you stop security problems or events, It means that you can recover from them without disrupting operations. And when you think about what UC San Diego is becoming, we're really a data-driven organization, whether it's 
data involved in teaching, the information you provide to students, whether it's the administrative data we use to run the organization and make decisions, or research data. Even the most public research data, for example, needs to, be, needs to have its data integrity addressed. So if you look, for example, at climate science over the last decade, there are plenty of instances where anti-climate change activists have hacked into researchers' data, changed it solely to undermine the science it's based upon. So when I say information assurance, what I really mean is that we're worrying about that full definition of information, data integrity, data reproducibility, and it's not just this narrow focus on hackers coming after us. What's a typical day like for you? Um, as you might imagine, going to meetings, going to meetings and going to more meetings. Besides your friends though in IT services, who are you typically meeting with? Oh, it's from all over the place. I work very closely with folks from research affairs. SDSC has become a huge partner with us now because of our CMMC program. Obviously export control, procurement we've been working with quite a bit lately because of some new federal regulations. Uh, you have distributed IT staff all over the university. Um, I'm regularly in meetings with the faculty senate. And so it, it's kind of a little bit of everything. And, you know, I've long said the uh, blessing and curse of working in information assurance is you get to stick your nose into just about everything. And sometimes that's a lot of fun. And sometimes, boy, it's a burden. And uh, navigating meetings aside, what are some of the other big challenges you face in your role? As I was saying, when we're trying to build resilience in the institution, we're trying to support the mission of the institution, I have a long way to go in changing hearts and minds about what security is about. Um, the number of times we deal with a, a faculty member, for example, who will say, well, I'm running antivirus in my lab. What more do you need from me? That's not really security. What we need to talk about is their backups. We need to talk about their ability to protect um, historical data. So it, it's, it's a challenging set of, it's, it's an interesting set of challenges we have. The good news is, or at least what helps make this easier, is we live probably in the golden age of security awareness. After the 2016 election, it was hard for anyone to open a newspaper or a magazine and not read about cybersecurity, whether it was hacking, whether it was the sale of your data, your personal data. Everyone's aware this is a topic. And now what we have to do is not focus on what I call security porn. You know, this went wrong. That doesn't really help. But we need to focus on what are the positive steps people can take? What are the solutions? And the reality is, is it's not that hard. What, what are some of those steps? What is uh, one or two things everybody at UC San Diego can do to improve the environment? The number one item that uh, never seems to get fully resolved is system patching and system updates. The irony of this is that your average Windows machine or Mac have automated uh, software installed that tells you when you need to patch software and often will do it for you. And all you have to do is get out of the way and let that happen. But I have to tell you, in a typical year, we might find anywhere up to 100,000 
critical vulnerabilities on the network across the whole network, obviously. And uh, most of those are easily patched and taken care of. But effectively, those are open doors for hacking. And the follow-up to that, I've been wanting to ask you, uh, maybe you can help us understand how everybody at UC San Diego, whether they're uh, a VIP or executive or a hotshot hot researcher or not, can, can in some sense still be targeted, even if maybe we don't think we have information of value. Um, so how does that work and, and what, what should we be on the lookout for? The reality is, is that the sophisticated hackers don't target Mark because he works for the DOD. They target the easily hackable machine anywhere on campus. And then they pivot from that machine to the next easily hackable machine. And they work their way through the environment until they get to something interesting. For a place as large as San Diego, there's lots of interesting intellectual property to steal both third-party and locally developed. And so what the, uh, most of the time when we see attacks, even sophisticated attacks by state actors, it's not as targeted as you would think. It's going after the soft underbelly of the institution. Now, the one place that's not quite true is we do see certain researchers and executives targeted with spear phishing messages. So we've seen the North Koreans, we've seen the Russians, we've seen the Chinese, target researchers in areas they're interested in, or public intellectuals that are critical of those regimes. And they'll target them with phishing messages that look like they're from a colleague or a family member, and some of them are very good. And really what they're trying to do is uh, get you to click on some links, provide credentials, find a way to open the door. And despite the, the obvious threats that are out there, you just, you just mentioned a couple. I know the approach you like to take is, is still one of positivity, not, not the scare tactics, despite what we just talked about. So why-, why <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing you back here. Here's your lifeline. So why, why do you take that positivity approach and how do you think it pays off? I think it pays off because there is so much you can do to improve your res resilience to cyber attack and accidental data breach, that it's actually not that hard. You know, you often hear long-term security people say, oh, it's a balance of convenience and security or usability and security. I think that's hogwash. Yeah, that may be true if you're working on a classified project for the DOD, but for most of us, again, using simply strong credentials on your password, you know, your, your password, you can use a password manager that manages that for you. I haven't logged into most of my websites in years because the password manager does it for me. So the fact that I'm using really long passwords or passphrases is incidental. I don't know them. Patching, my system updates itself. That works out really well. I use good uh, university provided services for the storage of my data, which are highly resilient and very resistant to attacks. So I think the message should be much more positive. It's a good thing. And I'll tell you one thing that's interesting as part of our six words campaign, which is where we've asked people to describe cybersecurity, what it means to them in six words. We did a sentiment analysis of that, those responses. 
And much to my surprise, most of the responses were fairly positive about cybersecurity. People feel that sometimes it's too complicated. Sometimes it does interfere with what they're doing. But overall, the community seems to realize cybersecurity is necessary to protect themselves, not just the file you're working on, but the people around you and your own personal data, your non-work and non-school data. So I feel like we do have a fairly positive picture of cybersecurity. And I worry that we will erode that if we just, again, sort of bury people with stories of things that go wrong. What are some 2020 accomplishments from your team that you're proud of? 2020 accomplishments. Well, you know, I put together some numbers the other day. The campus saw 53,000 phishing campaigns launched at it in 2020. And yet we didn't have uh, the kind of disaster you see at some of the other campuses from these events, which tells me in 2020, we were very effective in our um, protection of the email stream going on. One of the ones that's in the security office, uh, but on the identity side is we deployed the social identity service for the registrar's office, which means that if you're an alumni and you're going to get a transcript or your academic history, you can use your Gmail, your Microsoft, or your LinkedIn account to log in and get that. You don't have to have a campus credential, which is good because no one remembers that after they graduate. And that's probably saved close to an FTE in staff time at the registrar's office. That's a really high return on investment. And we're hoping to expand on that service. But we've also seen a lot of, uh, I mean, obviously in 2020, we survived the shift to remote work. The security office runs the campus VPN. And that was a huge amount of work to shift to doubling the size of our VPN pool early in COVID. We also saw some major upgrades to some of our traditional tooling. The primary instrumentation we use to detect compromises on the campus network is very old and creaky. And we've shifted to a, a new version of that uh, that's more modern and updated. And uh, it's proving to be very effective for us. And some more from the current events front. The SolarWinds hack was late last year. The more I read about it, the worse I feel. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but for, for, those, for those not familiar, what's the punchline of what happened? Why is it important globally? And what has been the impact here at UC San Diego? Uh, I'll take that in reverse order. At San Diego, we were fortunate that we were not impacted by this, although it was quite a, a bit of effort to assure that and run around and find all the instances of this. In short, what happened, SolarWinds makes a number of products that are used deep in the network. So they're used to monitor the network. And because of that, they're given privileged accounts to log into the various portions of the network and get information about it. It's a very powerful tool. Many places use it. They have 18,000 customers. What happened is the Russian intelligence agencies hacked into the company and they embedded some malware in the product itself. And so that whenever anybody was running a particular set of their tools and uh, did an automatic update, you automatically got the malicious version of the software installed on your network which would then sit around and do nothing for about two weeks and then start phoning home. So it's important to realize this was less of a hack of us 
or anyone else. Um, it was more of an espionage episode. They, rather than sort of placing a mole in an organization, they, they, they have a digital mole. They, they placed software that would open the door to hacking and, and surveillance. The challenge here is that nothing we do as an organization would have detected this. Uh, this was very sophisticated. They were gonna get in, they were that good. And there just aren't tools out there that tell you whether or not every piece of software you're buying has been hacked. So we're, the reason this frightened everybody is we all rely on software from other people. It's called our supply chain. And so now everyone is asking what else in our supply chain is hacked and how would we know about it? Uh, when we discussed this with the FBI, they sort of laughed at us and said, well, you just got to get better at detecting it sooner because you're not going to stop it. So it was a big deal, continues to be a big deal. We dodged a bullet and we're spending a fair amount of time thinking about how do we up our game around situations like this? And what happened at UC San Francisco last June? And what are some steps we're taking here to make sure we don't fall uh, for a similar incident? What happened at UC San Francisco is a research lab got uh, infected with a ransomware piece of malware. Ransomware encrypts your data and then requires you to pay a ransom to get the decryption keys. So basically all your data is lost. What happened in this particular circumstance is you had a relatively large research lab that was running its own IT infrastructure. They ran their own VPN, their own Active Directory, and frankly, they had a lot of really poor IT practices in place. So when the ransomware got in, the hackers actually came in with it and did things like delete their backups. So they were in a really bad way. And because this would have probably destroyed the career of upward of 100 faculty members, they took this request all the way up to the president and the regents of the university system. And they got permission to pay $1.14 million in ransom. Now, immediately we were asked here, well, could this happen to us? And the answer is, of course, it could happen to us. We have parts of the, uh, especially the research enterprise that doesn't run campus software, security software that we're blind to. And so, and of course these research labs are a hodgepodge. Some do really terrific security, some do very poor security. So in response, we put together the um, Cybersecurity Certification for Research Program, CCR. And if you go to assure.ucsd.edu, you can see the program description. Basically what we did is create a self-certification process. We identified a handful of security practices that would minimize the impact and likelihood of an event like San Francisco. And we're asking every researcher every lab is 3,200 at San Diego to go through the program, implement the controls, and then fill out a form certifying in ink that they're meeting the uh, demands of the program. Um, it will be required by all faculty. We've started to get people going through it now and providing certification requests. And um, it's not a magic bullet. It's not going to magically inoculate us against these kinds of things. Again, back to my comment about resilience, you can't prevent everything. It's how you respond to it that's critical. 
But what this program will do is ensure that more faculty have secure backups and thus resilience to ransomware. More faculty are running our security software, which detects hacks when they come in. And we will have contact information for everybody so that we can respond more quickly when something does go wrong. So it really is a program of resilience more than it is prevention. Let's wrap up here as we look further ahead into 2021. What's on the agenda for Office of Information Assurance? Oh, we have a number of agendas that we're trying to meet. Obviously, uh, uh, what we didn't talk about was our uh, CMMC program, which is bringing certain researchers into compliance with new DOD uh, requirements. We can have a whole session on that someday. That is going to be our major project for the year as long as the CCR program. But we're also trying to take the data we've gotten out of the Six Words campaign and retool our awareness program. We really want to focus less on awareness and education and more on practical training. You should know how to share a spreadsheet of confidential data securely and easily and not sort of wonder how to do that. So we're rethinking how we provide training to the campus pretty aggressively. And it's sixwords.ucsd.edu. If people want to go to that website, you can, uh, uh, why don't you just give us the, the punchline of what that program is, why the six words and, and what it's intended to do? Sure. Well, what it's intended to do is reverse the conversation. Rather than us blathering on about security, it gives you a chance as a uh, member of the community to tell us what you think of security. We borrowed the notion of six words from the race card project, which uh, is a wonderful program if you've never seen it. I think we have a link on the website to it. Basically, they distributed, started with paper cards and then moved to an online way to say, tell us six words about race. And um, it's powerful and it's compelling. So, um, when I saw the presentation on that, I came back and said, let's do something similar around security. A colleague of mine at the University of Michigan and I talked and he did one on privacy, six words on privacy. We do six words on cybersecurity. And um, it's fascinating. We're learning a lot about what people think about security, uh, what their concerns are. And uh, it goes to that issue of doing a sentiment analysis. Um, so what we're really gonna try to do is use that to steer and change how we talk about cybersecurity. To your point, we want it to be a positive message, not security porn. There's no uh, better way to end, Mike. Thank you for <laughs> joining us once again on the podcast. No problem, Mark. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Mike and Mark. If you ask me, which of course no one did, I think Data Privacy Month needs a theme song. I'm going to go with Every Breath You Take by The Police. And now a dramatic reading of the lyrics. Every breath you take, every move you make. All right, all right. I think you get the idea. And this episode has gone on far too long. Until next week, dear listener. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of 
The Current Daily.